OTB Sports Rugby. Do you want to just take it easy, keep the emotion in check? That's not what sport is about. It's about emotion. It's about singing your national anthem with pride. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB GAA. The Football Pod on Off The Ball in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Hashtag the toughest. Hello there and you're very welcome along to episode 6 of the Football Pod. Paddy Andrews, James O'Donoghue, you're both very welcome. James, you're home. Kerry. Paddy, that's a pasty yellow wall behind you. That's hardly the lush suburbs of Castleknock, the Bridges area that you're in. Where are you? Well, I'm in the very exotic Belgian town of Leuven. About 30 minutes outside uh, outside Brussels. Bit of college work this week, an international trip. So uh, yeah, I'm here for the week. It's not the most uh, exciting place in the world, I have to say. So, for once, lads, in I'm delighted to see both of you on a Monday evening. I have to say, you must be in Leuven. Is there any? Br- is it like Bruges? No, it's not even as nice as Bruges. In Bruges too. <laughs> Bruges is about an hour away, so I might actually try and get out there, kill some time over the course of the week. Uh, now it's uh, and is it reasonably basic to you? I have to say. Okay, business or pleasure? Business, unfortunately. Not many people are going to Leuven on holidays. I would feel. I'm not. I feel like I'm doing Belgian tourism and injustice here. But I did not come here on holiday. No, definitely not. Belgian beer is supposed to be nice, isn't it? Belgian beer would be all right. Now, look, it does have its perks as well, and I might have to have a look at that later on this evening. Now, once we finish the show, but uh, that could be. I feel that could be the highlight, Jimmy. I have to say. Fair play, Paddy. While you were in transit yesterday, yeah. Missed one of the early games, but you did manage to catch a bit of Dublin and Cork. So we'll be talking a bit about that in a little while. It was a cracking weekend of football across the board in the National Football Leagues. James O'Donoghue, you were doing your homework on Galway this week. You were doing a bit of a deep dive <laughs> on Porrick Joyce's options. So we're going to get stuck into that in a little while. First off, though, something appeared in the Irish Independent this week. And Philly McMahon has given us good fodder. <laughs> for conversations and talking points over the last little while. James, I'm not sure if you saw this. Yeah. James, I'm not sure if you saw this, but the last time the Dublin footballers played an away game was 2011. Ah, down in on. Cork. Okay. Generally, Dublin team bus journeys are deeply sophisticated gatherings where everything from high culture to geopolitics are robustly debated. <laughs> on this occasion, however, <laughs> it was suggested that we'd all pitch in a fiver on the way home and that this kitty would then be handed over to Owen O'Gara if he managed to eat a full block of cheese before we got home. <sighs> Say what you like about the dubs, but we know how to party. Now, Philly, in his Irish Indo column, didn't actually confirm whether or not O'Gara got the money or ate the full block of cheese. Paddy, <laughs> did this jog your memory? It did. It was a hazy bus journey home, I have to say. We were down there for the weekend. We got stuffed by Cork and Porky Rin with a few few beers now that night. A few Belgian beers. <laughs> it was a long trek home uh, on the Sunday. We played them on a the Saturday night. Algarra did, in fact, eat the full block of cheese. It was a few quid. No, no. This is, you'll laugh at this. We made like a weekend of it and we ended up going to, they make Dubliner cheese down there in Clonakilty and we went to visit the cheese factory I swear to God this is the type of stuff we were at before we were winning all Ireland's lads no wonder we got beaten by 20 points uh, so we got a few goodies for from the cheese factory and yeah Ogar was always good for a bit of crack on the bus and uh, he did eat it all yeah he did that's a dry some going a Dubliner is a dry kind of a cheddar isn't it That'd be, that's tough going and nothing with it lads not a single thing with it and why why would you turn to O'Gara? The only type of lad that would do that. There wasn't many lads queuing to do that. He needed a few quid, and he said, right, O'Gara, there's a fiver in this for you from everyone if you eat that. And I've never seen a man devour cheese as much as that. Like, it was top class. Yeah. Stunning performance. Yeah, but these, these cross-country bus journeys. Yeah. Go on, James. I would say that's a projectile vomit if you if you devour a full block of cheese, is it? Especially on a no, bus. No, he kept it down. He's a hardy man, O'Garrett, as you well know. But like that, these journeys, like that was the guts of four hours on the bus. Like you've been on them before, GBT, you've done it as well. Like it's a long slog after a game, particularly like we were beaten. 
you need any sort of entertainment you can get. And I'm not advocating that many teams go out this weekend and feed their full forward line blocks of cheese. But uh, it didn't do Ogar any harm, to be fair to him. Good run for the next 10 years after yeah. that. But uh, no, I wouldn't be recommend it. I don't think the dietitian would have been too impressed either. But look, all's well that ends well. They're a big part of the league, these lengthy bus journeys, James. Any memories from a, a long trip from Killarney to Bally Buffet? Anything like that, no? That's a lot of Nothing major. I mean, they are a bit of a pain in the arse, but a lot of the time when you're going up the night before and then you have the game in kind of, say, a four o'clock game and you're down the following night, like, it's a horrible weekend, really. Do you know? I think the Kerry only travelled to yeah. Mayo this week. They went up on the on the Saturday morning. That's obviously why, why we lost. Okay. Because uh, of the journey. Well, <laughs> on that, Jimmy, we well, used like, to, uh, by the end of our time with Dublin, we used to... Uh, we used to go back, down and back everywhere on the same day. We stopped the overnights. Just what, what was your longest trip? I don't know. I don't know. We've been, like, we oh, did Belly Buffet, Cronus, like, oh, Tyrone, they're all long journeys, like, on a bus. I remember we played in Celtic Park against Derry back in maybe 50, 14 or 15. That was a long one up and back in the day. Like, they beat us as well. But no, we, we at the start of Jim's reign, and we're, we used to go down, stay overnight, the night before and then play but then by the last probably two or three years with Jim it was down in the morning and we straight on the bus at home and we get home from Casabar at two or three in the morning or yeah up to Oma was a long one as well Like, but lads kind of, we kind of prefer just waking up at home and getting home yeah. in bed on the Sunday morning and most of our games were Saturday nights like so yeah I, but uh, it is a slog Jeez, it's a slog well, we'd have to go like we go you know, up could... in the morning, like or the, the night before a championship match as well. Do you know because you wouldn't be going Kerry Dublin morning of a championship match. So we'd be well used to overnight stays and bus journeys. Like they become yeah. second nature after a while. And that was say I was driving from Killarney right to wherever we were going. There's some fellas travelling from Carsevine and Dingo. That's another hour, hour and a half. Yeah, another yeah. hour. Like, yeah. Not a bother by them. They wouldn't even mention it. Like. Who was your expense? Who was your roomie? Lads <laughs> making a fortune. Who was I rooming with? Who was your roommate, James? Yeah, I suppose Lino, Jonathan Lyon was usually my roommate. I remember Barry John Keane a few times. They used to switch it up a bit. Um, okay. I don't think. Yeah, you, you didn't get to pick, Jimmy, did you? They picked. They picked. So you go in and you take your card, and you'd see who was unlucky enough to get to draw you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we might uh, we might see if we spark any more bus journey memories cross country. If anyone wants to get in touch with a few, um, I have no great ones. I just nearly got kicked off a couple of buses in college for opening up my uh, tuna and sweet corn pasta in my younger years. So uh, I learned very quickly not to do that one. Um, since we last recorded, boys, UCC won the Sigerson Cup. Jarlett Burns was announced as the new GA president. So that's to take place from next year. So we might come back to that again. There was a few little bits from Congress that came out that we might come back to, um, you know, changes to disciplinary systems, a few tweaks to the to the minor grade. So we, we'll dig into that in a little while. But at the weekend, there was a number of games live on TV. So it was a feast of football that we got. Just to run through some of the results, Mayo 214, Kerry 110. We saw Mayo's attack in full flow in that first half. Mm. Frightening how good they looked. We'll come back to that in a little while. Even the impact that David Clifford had showed the levels, I suppose, that Kerry were off beforehand. So we might talk about if we learned that from that game. Keeping with the team of Connacht, Galway, 16 points against Tyrone, 13. James, we had a bit of a back and forth before this game. You thought Tyrone were set to win this one. Um, I had a feeling Galway were going to do the job. But I couldn't, yeah. Galway did do the job. Uh, I yeah. couldn't make a make a strong case for Galway before the game. Since, since the game, I'm absolutely thrilled for Galway. They're a different animal altogether, but they were missing... Finnerty, Walsh, Comer, Malloy, yeah. and Silk. Arguably five of their seven best. And they still turn out a great performance and win. Like, I think it says a lot about them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We're going to come back to that now in a couple of minutes. The Rossi's obviously flying high. one twelve to 12 points. I want to hear, because I know James has a theory on this, what are Mar missing? Um, there was a couple of moments in that game that might give a clue. We're going to come back to that shortly. And in the... We're going to call it what it is. The relegation playoff, essentially. Donegal and Monaghan 
Both of those teams needed a yeah. win. Monaghan pulled away late on. There was a moment in that game when the game was a draw with about 15 minutes to go and Jamie Brennan hit the crossbar when he was one-on-one with Began. Monaghan took over after that. Sean Jones with a cameo off the bench. They won by 120 to 15 points. They we're calling the slot. The West is awake. We're going to be talking about the Rossies, Mayo and Galway in the next <laughs> few minutes. And they are the top three in Division 1 at the moment. So we'll come back to that in a few minutes. In Division 2, it's starting to get spicy. Derry and Dublin are pulling away. They both won at the weekend in different ways, you'd say. Derry whooped Mead on TV on Saturday night. So lessons hopefully will have been learned in a Mead sense, but it was a fairly substantial win for Derry. They there were streets ahead of them, levels ahead of them. It, it was chalk and cheese at the weekend yeah. on Saturday night in Uh Cork are definitely improving, James. Maybe you were just a week too early with that prediction. Uh, 2-10 to 18 against the Dubs. You come out of the trap and Hurley. You need to pace yourself. <laughs> the, the only question that I have in my head after the weekend, the whole weekend's of football, is how did Mead beat Carr? Like, how did they manage to score? <laughs> Carr kicked 20 points or something like that in week one, and Mead beat him, and we saw Mead against Derry. They were shocking. So mm. I... If if Cork you can see that one coming a while, I still think they'd be on for promotion. They'll find a hard note over. I don't know. I just think Derry and Dublin are so far ahead that it's hard to unless you turn over one at Derry and Dublin. Dublin, Like you're just all right. Dublin and Derry, right? Someone has to win that game. So Dublin say Dublin beat Derry. Yeah. Cork keep winning. Cork of Derry last day. No, Derry are stronger than Cork. There's no doubt about it. But there is a chance. And Derry got cut last year. True. Yeah, they get them on head to head. The Dublin Derry game is up in Derry as well. I think that'll be we set up right at the start of the National League. That was going to be the standout game in Division Two. To be fair to me, right? They've had a really good start under Rook. We said this last week. You felt their style, their kind of inexperience. They're very much at the start of their journey. They were going to be up against it in own bag. The conditions didn't help in in conditions that are wet and windy and messy. It's down to just experience, execution, doing the right things. And Derry, we said this from last year, they're one of the most well-coached teams. They're so well-drilled. That was just a game between two teams at completely different stages of their journeys. Mead, look, I felt they'd struggle. I think they've done better than I would have expected initially, but but I did not expect them. I didn't expect that game to go any different than, than it did in the end. Mead were playing against that type of blanket defence, which we felt they're... Their new kicking style was probably going to struggle against. I thought at times in the first half, you kind of the middle of the first half, they're doing okay. They were working some good scores. Like Ronan Jones didn't get the memo. <laughs> he was still trying to leave the outside of the left kick passes in. That was never going to work against a Derry team. And then Derry were just far more clinical. The, the plus side from them, as good as they were last year defensively, I think they're looking a lot slicker in attack as well. We said that that was the next stage of Derry's evolution. That... They need to add that to the game. They need to add scores to the game. And look, neither not one of the best teams in the country, but I think Derry were really, really good scores. They were a lot slicker up front and not overly reliant on, on Shane McGuigan as well. Like their half forward line was really impressive mm. for Derry as well. So that, yeah, that's really not a surprise, that game. But Mead, they need to regroup. There's other games that they'll need to win. They're, they have a little bit of breathing room in terms of, of relegation. Um, you see Limerick are probably probably an ale in the coffin for them losing that game to Loud. Mead have a little bit of leeway there and they you would expect that they learn big lessons. But but that game is just two teams at completely different stages of their journey. Yeah, I agree with yeah Derry's half forward line contributed two five from play. Who got oh yeah the yeah the Go on James the Derry half forward line was outstanding. Actually it was a team at the weekend that half forward lines were actually yeah. racking up massive scores and it makes such a difference. Half forward lines they can run games if they're. We actually mentioned it a week or two ago. If they're if they're actual ballers mm. and they're finishers, yeah. then the half back line on the opposition team have to mark them, which stops them dropping back onto your full forward line and creating natural sweepers. You have to have scoring outlets in your half forward line. But the thing with, I thought with Mead and Derry was they are at different, completely different stages of their development. But I don't. I I can't see Mead getting getting there. And I think I think they're. They're good bit off, do you know. Like they were throwing the ball away, willy nilly, not not minding, having no respect yeah. for the ball. I mean, they were forcing passes, whereas Derry were so clinical. They were so confident in their system, comfortable, strong, physical, fast, powerful. 
Like I was so impressed with Derry, and they they have. But but Jimmy, isn't that the case? Like like Derry are one of the top teams in the country. Yeah. Like like me, aren't at that level. We knew that going forward. Like Derry, Derry have genuine ambitions. They're just the champions. This is a team looking. Rory Gallagher would have sat those guys down. They're looking to try and win the All Ireland. Mead are nowhere near that level. Like, like progress for Mead is we're saying staying in Division Two, winning a couple of maybe Leinster Championship games. Like, like they are on different levels, and that's what what you're saying. We said at the very start, previewing this, that there was a, a gulf in Division Two. I said it was kind of between the top two teams, Derry and Dublin, and the rest. You could make a case for maybe Kildare or Cork edging into the top four. We'll and talk about Kildare in a minute. I know, and Kildare are. Oh, blessed, blessed, blessed to get out of of Ennis with a victory there because if that didn't go their way and there was times when it absolutely didn't look like it was going to, they would have been under massive, massive pressure. So, uh, but but for me, they're not at that level. Yeah, well, look, look, lads, we're go- we're going to come back to the Division Two in a bit more depth in uh, the second half of the pod today because. It feels like six teams are actually in a bit of relegation danger there. So let's come back to that. I'd like to come back to the half forward chat as well. Um, I was in Ennis for Kildare and Clare. Like still scratching my head as to how Kildare won that game. Because like I heard Kildare fans call it a robbery after the game. I heard them call it a smash and grab. Kildare fans were laughing. They were like, how on earth did we win? Now, Colin Collins afterwards was raging with his own team. Uh, mistakes cost it they tried to sit back they had an extra man they didn't go forward and you could hear them roaring the Clare manager team on the sideline roaring to go forward with the ball and they just kind of went to their shells a little bit in that second half but even still it didn't look like Kildare had it win them in them to, to pull it out of the bag um, Clare keeper slips with three minutes to go touches the ball on the ground ankle taps a Kildare forward gets a black card and it all just falls apart after that so um, we'll come back to that in a little while I want to ask Paddy about the dubs in a little while too because the last four Dublin scorers is pretty scary. Brian Fenton, Con O'Callaghan, James McCarthy, Jack McCaffrey. They're the four Great last to scorers. see, T. Great to see. I don't know about the rest of us. And then Samuel Roy was the difference between Loud and Limerick. In, uh, it had been a bottom of the table clash, but Loud are up to fourth now in scoring difference in fifth in Division 2. So that's a quickly can change. In Division 3, it go, it's going from worse to worse for Tipperary. They've lost Stephen O'Brien now to injury, another main player. They lost on Saturday night at home to Antrim. Big win for Andy McEntee, 119 to 14 points. Fermanagh and Down, unbelievable game. Fermanagh looked in complete control. Down took over with 10 minutes to go, raced into a four or five point lead. And Sean Quigley scored a last minute goal to edge them over the line. I'm not sure if you saw the highlights of this game, lads, but a clip went doing the rounds earlier on. Quigley, like, is 100% in the square when the ball yeah. goes into him. And, it, did, it did look questionable. It yeah. did look questionable. And whatever about the square ball decisions in the Cork-Dublin game, this one was yeah. last minute. Anyways, uh, Cavan are doing the job in Division 3. One nineteen to 11 points against Longford. And Westmead won the El Clasico in the Midlands. Uh, late salvo from Kieran Martin got them over the line. two twelve to 12 points. So we see Cavan and Westmead in the top two spots there for Mana and Down and Offaly are also on four points at Westmead and then it's Antrim on two Tip and Longford at the bottom Ushie McConville got his first win as Wicklow boss they beat London could have been a tricky tie on Saturday night by seven points Sligo bet Waterford by nine Carlo uh, lost late on to Leash there was three fellas sent off in injury time of this game so Billy Sheehan wasn't happy with his Leash charges but they've got one three from three got to be happy with that and Wexford edged over Leitrim in the last five minutes of that game. It was tips for tackles. Yeah. Four point win for Wexford. Yeah, well, Wexford have been um, getting decent results so far in Division Four, yeah. and it'll be a disappointing result for Leitrim. But they're still joint. They're second. Mm. They're uh, edging Sligo on score difference. So but big be, games. Be fair, be fair to Leitrim, Tommy as well. I was questioning them at the start of this campaign, but you were. Fair, yeah, they've got three from three. They're, they're in the driving seat to get back promoted. So look. Some semblance of positivity around Leash after the first couple of weeks of the league, which is good for them. Yeah, in fairness, I think you were questioning how far they had slid. Do you know, it wasn't necessarily where they were right. Yeah, now, I, so. I don't think they should be. They, I don't think they should be a Division mm. Four team, but it just shows when when things go wrong and you get into a bit of a rut and that negative momentum. We speak about positive momentum in the National League is such a massive thing, but well, yeah. Leash had that for the last couple of years. But they're doing the job. They're doing what's being asked them, and and they're getting the wins on on the sheet. So absolutely, look, they're they're not far off. Uh, secure a promotion now anyway. so that's good news for them one of the Leinster teams you are listening to episode 6 of the football pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue 
It's brought to you every week by AIB, proud sponsor of the Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the Tuffets for more. We're going to be back right after this, talking about the West of Ireland and why Connacht is the most important province this year. All right, you're very welcome back to episode six of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. The West is awake. And lads, the Connacht Championship starts seven days after the league's finished this year. So the league finals are on April 1st and 2nd. And the Connor Championship, the Connor quarterfinals begin the following Saturday and Sunday. Ooh. So we're going to see Mayo and Roscommon on the Sunday. We're going to see New York Leitrim and London Sligo, I'd imagine, on the yeah. Saturday to kick off the championship. And there's going to be an Ulster game as well on that day too. So it's crazy how quickly these leagues are, or the championship and the league is going to overlap here. So my question to begin with is that when James Horan writes in his Irish Examiner column on a Saturday, that Mayo's level of conditioning is already at championship level. Are you buying it? I, is that Saturday morning? No, it was Saturday evening after they had whooped Kerry, the reigning All-Ireland champions. I, I, look, I, I think they've done a lot of work. You can see that. You can see, it, you always get that sense in the first couple of league games. They've definitely done more than Kerry. We said this. Kerry were going to be slow through the National League. This is not a surprise. I, I, you kind of backed that Mayo would win that game in Castlebar, probably not as convincingly as they did. Um, but th- this is the thing with the way the season has gone. And we spoke of this in previous pods, myself and Jimmy, that there was times, certainly with Dublin, that we do a real block of championship training after the league, that you get get into it in April and May as you lead into the provincial championships. But that, the sense of like Mayo have a massive. We said it last year. A game against um, Galway and Castlebar in the first game of the Connacht Championship could make or break their season, and it ended up breaking their season that they were beaten at Castlebar, and they never really recovered from that. Um, whereas if you look now, teams are flying it, but they're straight into championship. So, so the time, the, the window you used to have of kind of timing your run a little bit later in the season, it is new. It is new. The teams are flying fit at this stage of the season, and they're can nearly go the whole way through to an All-Ireland final in July in the hope that they don't burn out. But if you're in the Mayo dressing room, you're Kevin McStay, you've got to be looking going, okay, you want to go to the league campaign. We have to be ready for this, basically the second week of April. It's a massive championship. I mean, look at Roscommon, what Davy Burke is doing there. Both teams seem to be in that space, that headspace where they yeah. are, they're not blowing teams away. They do look very, very sharp for but it's still the second, coming into the third week of February. But it, it was a bit of a contrast because I would say out of all the teams in Division 1, Kerry probably have the least done and Mayo are probably at the, the other end of the scale as well. But look, it was an impressive win and we said, and James was saying this about Mayo, you were looking, what did McStay want to get? He needs more scores. He needs more depth. And Jordan Flynn, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be shooting the lights out every week, but they do need depth and not to be just relying on Ryan O'Donoghue and Killian O'Connor to kick freeze that's not going to be enough to win the biggest game so I'm sure the impact Aidan O'Shea is having is positive we spoke about that last week but someone like Jordan Flynn coming up from the half forward line or coming from deep in midfield and kicking four points from play it was music to the ears for, for Kevin McStay after patchy performances in both their games against Galway and against Armagh that was a, as a completed performance and yeah maybe conditional plays a part in it but I'm sure Kerry will learn a hell of a lot from that game as well. James, were you alarmed by how far off the teams looked at the weekend? I was and I wasn't. I mean, like, before the Donegal game, which is Kerry's first National League game, there was a lot of, there was a lot of question marks about, about Kerry, kind of, look, they've won the other and they've enjoyed themselves, they've had the holiday, they've had... Good club runs, a lot of them, so they're going to be given time off. David Moran retired. Mm. We got to the first league game, and we're kind of saying, right, we'll probably lose that one and maybe one or two others at the start of the league. But you, you, you're going to have your strong fellas coming back in after that. So I think that that has now happened. They've lost those two, Donegal and Mayo. They beat Monaghan. But now it's time. Jack is going to twist the knife now. He's going to be like, lads... We need to up it now and start winning. It's about winning because Jack does not like losing. He won't care if they're missing Shawnee Shea, David Clifford, this fella, that fella. He needs, he in his head now, he needs a win. So I, I think that Kerry are going to come out of the blocks against our man next week under the lights in Tralee mm. and up it. But 
they're offered physically, they're offered skills, and they're down a few very important players. So they're in a tough spot. And the thing is, when you're coming in as a, say, a second, kind of your second in that position, or maybe even third in the line, it's nice to be playing, say, as a corner forward, it's nice to be playing with three or four other regular starters. But at the moment, there's, yeah. they're kind of isolated there because they're, they have no senior fella. Maybe Paddy was there all right the weekend, but he looked a little bit a little bit rusty, maybe a little bit tired. But, I mean, they're, they're coming in there and they're really fighting a battle almost alone. So it's difficult for them. But I think that Jack will get, yeah. get Shawnee back into team this week, get David back in, and I think that they'll be in a stronger position. Yeah, only five starters started on Saturday night in Castlebar that played against Galway in the All-Ireland final last year. So that just shows you the difference, I suppose. And Mayo fans will say they haven't got their full string team out yet, but they are, like, McStay has enough there to add in a couple of Bob Pooey's getting a chance. McBride and Brickenin are getting their, their chance. Uh, Colin Marie <coughs> starting in goals. He's, he's showing a bit of something. There's something slightly different there in goals. Maybe they need something fresh there. Um, Mayo's ability to generate these hard-running, quick, line-breaking halfbacks. It's ridiculous. Like, it's like in Football Manager when, you know, your top striker in 2028 might retire and you just get this regen in your youth academy. just comes up out of nowhere. Same Colombian profile. It's just the the stats added back in. It's like they've done it with Vaughan and Keegan and we're seeing it now in the likes of Hessian and and, uh, Rory Britton. They are very good at producing kind of half-line players. But Jordan Flynn, Mm. like if Jordan Flynn can keep that form from half-forward, it's going to give them some boost because that's where they need the yeah. scores. They need scores from 10, 11, 12. They can't be relying on, on Ryan O'Donoghue and maybe Conroy if he comes back into the team. And Aidan Shea, as we said, is going to seriously help those inside players, but he's not going to chip scores himself probably. Or he's not going to chip enough. So 10, Can that 11, be enough? 12. Can that be enough though? If he if yeah. he takes the pressure off, 100%. do you know, like if he takes it, is that enough for O'Shea? In that's there, an yeah? unbelievable job to have done. Honestly, as a corner forward, sometimes... <laughs> All you want is a fella to win the ball for you and dish it. And then you're thinking, mm. if I if I get two possessions off him, probably two scoring chances. Do you know? So if you're if you're yeah. kind of working your way into the team, if you're working your way into the team, right, and the ball is handed to you in front of the goal and an important moment, right? You haven't even won the ball yourself, but you're just there to finish it. In your head after that important moment of the game, you're five times better a player. Just by some fellow winning the ball, giving it to you, and you putting it in the net, mentally and in your confidence, has gone through the roof. So, like, if Aiden can do that for mm. a couple of those male forwards, it's honestly season changing. It, yeah. It's a big thing, Tom. Yeah, we we sure. spoke about it. It's finding balance in your forward line. That you don't need to have six guys who are unbelievable shooters, or you need to have a bit of variety in there. What Aiden O'Shea, full forward, does is he frees up, like what James is saying, he takes focus of a defence. That every team that Mayo play, the, op- the opposing defenders have to have some sort of plan for how to deal with Aidan O'Shea. There's going to be direct ball in, there's going to be runners off him. So that immediately just frees up, just the, the mental, the focus from the opposing defenders is drawn towards O'Shea. That frees up space for Ryan O'Donoghue, for James Carr, for Killian O'Connor, whoever it is. But I couldn't agree more with having a scoring threat from further out the pitch. It's very difficult. Again, we're talking about what are Mayo's goals? Are they kind of looking just to win a provincial championship? They might get away with what they've had today. If you're talking about winning the All-Ireland, you need to have that threat from out the pitch as well. And look, Jordan Finn has done really well today, even clipping a couple of scores against Armagh the previous week. I'm not saying he's going to be the answer every week, this kick, kick three or four points, but that gives Mayo an extra layer to their threat up front. And that's been, yeah. whether you like it or not, that's been an Achilles heel for them. Their, their forward yeah. unit at the highest, highest level, has not delivered and has come up short. So having Aidan O'Shea gives a different dimension, having a fit Ryan O'Donoghue, a fit Killian O'Connor, hopefully Tommy Conroy gets back in time for championship, but then having a scoring threat where someone can clip two or three points from half forward away like Kevin McLaughlin used to do for them. Like, they're all positives. And I'm sure, look, Kevin McStay knows this. The Mayo support, the man on the street can see what the issue had been with Mayo over the last number of years. So in terms of a Saturday night for them, what a positive development. But again, just taking it into account of that is not the Kerry you're going to play in the championship. Um, and no. again, we kind of expected that from Kerry as well. And I agree with, with James's point as well. For young lads or for newer guys getting a, a go on the team, it is very difficult to do that when half the team, more than half the team is new. 
and then we, we, we spoke about with, with Dublin a couple of weeks ago that their kind of plan you'll see a lot of their main guys playing and maybe one or two guys dotted in it's a lot easier to make an impression and to fit into that team when you've got the more established guys with them so I don't think it will be any surprise uh, that we see Johnny Shea David Clifford all in from the start for Kerry um, and look, that's what we called so once you got to the end of February start of March teams are going to start ramping it up and I think Kerry are definitely going to have to do that now from this weekend Last question on Mayo because we're going to move into Galway and Roscommon next. A fella like James Carr, Horan described him as mercurial <laughs> at times. In his is time. mercurial a good thing? Um, Do you ever like to be described as mercurial uh, that's, that's, by a coach? Well, that, that's my question because like you can't describe him as, you know, like some of the dairy footballers, you might have been able to throw a slight at them 10 years ago. Ah, they're good in the league because sometimes league football that's suits certain players, team. right? <laughs> I know it's not but like and Carr isn't a flash in the pan because he's done these incredible things like his goal against Galway has 10 million views on, on Twitter alone do you know like that championship goal a couple of years ago three points from play in every match the most boring points from the top of the day getting into those positions I think, and I'd say any manager would like to have that over mercurial flashes of brilliant because it's just not reliable and it's not consistent well, enough my question my question is can somebody who is mercurial, from your experience, can a mercurial young fella, now he's 25 this summer, can he transform himself into that consistent robotic beast that you're looking for that can deliver time after time for you? I think that's what McStay is going to be working for. And he's giving him a go. And we said, lots of guys in the Mayo forward line the last couple of years was Aiden Orms in one week. Then it's James Carr himself. There's a lot of chopping and change. And they seem to be... They, sit them down, we're going to give you the whole National League, we're going to give you seven games to go out there and nearly play yourself into form or not. And you get a sense there's probably a bit of pressure on them there. They go, if you don't do it now, there's going to be questions asked of are you ever going to be able to do it. So, yes, he's had some unbelievable moments, the goal in the Gaelic rounds a couple of years ago and then his goal in the Open Night League was incredible. He has that talent, but I would always be wary if I was a coach. Mercurial is great for the clip every now and then. But give me, if I'm in the full forward line, I love a guy who wins ball in front, is switched on for opposing kickouts, works hard and clips two, three points from play every week. Very boring stuff, but I think that's that would be more valuable for, for Kevin McStay and for Mayo this year. And we'll see. Like I said, he is still relatively young, 25. I know he's been around a couple of years, but this is he seems to be getting a prolonged go at this. Um, and Mayo seem to be banking on him. That, that he will be able to get that yeah. in, in his game. But I don't I still don't think it's there yet. But let's see but let's what happens see. over the next Let's four, see how that develops. He has talent. Let's see how that develops. I think that Mercurial is another almost word for incredibly frustrating for a manager. Do you know, when you see him produce these moments <laughs> and then he kind of switches off because you'd see even when you're when you're a young yeah. fella, right? You might score a goal or something. And you're nearly tapping yourself on the back then for, for five or ten minutes. You're going completely out of the game because you're thinking about, <laughs> Jesus, that was that was brilliant. It's, you know, like it, it kind of Jimmy, is... Jimmy, of, were you mercurial was, at any stage in your career? Did I what? Was I mercurial? <laughs> no, I never got that. Well, I think the two well, of you were. I think the two of you were. I think it is a bit of a, a mental thing, though, that if he if he could just do that outstanding goal or that one or two outstanding plays. Like, he kicked a mark from 45 yards against Kerry. It was absolutely outrageous. It was Clifford S. It was ridiculous. If he can do those things yeah. and just park yeah. them and say, right, almost just take the confidence from it and park it onto the next ball and try and do it again and, and again, next ball, next ball. I think if he had that mentality, he can be he can be very good because if you think of what that full forward line for Mayo did against Kerry, they completely unsettled that full back line. At half time. Kerry took yeah. off their wing back, Warren, brought on Dylan Casey to mark Aidan O'Shea, pushed Jason Foley to corner back to mark Carr because physicality wise they were being absolutely pushed around the place. So mm. if, you, yeah. if you have that yeah. physicality in there, it does ask serious questions. For sure. Damn. Galway. We have been looking at them. Uh, you know, with a keen eye this this spring to see what they were going to produce, they obviously had an unbelievable year last year. They ha- they're missing, like they're missing Comer, they're missing Finnerty, they're missing Shane Walsh. At the same time, James, would you be surprised if I told you that ten players who started the All Ireland final 
last summer started against Tyrone at the weekend? I wouldn't because I checked it today as well myself. <laughs> he shouldn't but, be because if he's done any sort of homework, he should know. Go back to well, this. This is a good sign. You passed the test, James. Can you? Porrick <laughs> Porrick Joyce is obviously trying to develop options this year, and he a little bit of that is forced because watch the way Comer's injured, Finnerty's injured. Has he found any new boys? Because squad depth this year. Given the nature of the league and championship, how condensed the season is going to be, the amount of games that are going to be played yeah. in a short period of time, squad depth is going to be so important. And clearly last year, Galway were just missing that little bit extra off the bench. Are you seeing Anton so far? They were. Yeah, because when you think about it, this year, right, they're going to play the kind of championship for them hopefully get to the final. Then they're going to go into a group phase and then they're going to be landed into a quarter final. So you're looking at a load of games and usually in championship, there are little hamstrings, there's there's niggles at calves, there's knocks and bruises, there's red card suspensions. You need everyone when there's only six games in the championship. But when there's more, like everyone is going to be put to the test. So I was looking at Galway. Obviously, they've, they were missing their whole full forward line from that Orlando final, plus Silk, plus Malloy. So the main thing, there's two things that come from that, right? The first thing is you have to fill those positions. But secondly... They're looking for new leaders to step up. And sometimes it takes a couple of good fellas or a couple of good characters to leave the team for new ones to step up. And last year, Matty Tierney, in fairness to Paddy, he said he was his player to watch. And he did have a very good year. But maybe towards the end of the year, the more senior fellas kind of took more control and Tierney just maybe went a little bit quiet, you know, just towards the, the latter stages of the championship. But yesterday, you could tell he is a man ready to lead that group. I just think he was absolutely outstanding. Mm. He was fielding kickouts, kicking points, tackling, working like a dog. And you could just tell that he, he has the mindset to kick on. I think he was captain. I'm not sure what Sigerson team he was on, Paddy, but I think he was captain. And he was captain with NUIG when they won the Sigerson, yeah. He's a brilliant yeah, player. So he has, he's a lot of points. Yeah, he he's very good. Yeah. So as much as filling the positions, you need these leaders to step up. And the more of them you have on the field, the better. And next to him... Yeah. Peter Cook, who's after coming back into the team, he's the one they found, mm. along with Ian Burke, two extra fellas to come back mm. in and lift and lift it. I reckon if Galway had Burke and Cook last year for 10 minutes against Kerry, they would have asked some extra questions. So even those two fellas coming in... Yeah. Are going to be ah, no, come good. on. Come here. Come here now. What do you mean by extra questions? Because there was very little in that All-Ireland final in the end. But, there was four but they lose down the stretch, Tommy. They lose 4 nil. Down the stretch in that all Ireland final, Shane Walsh <laughs> kind of nearly runs out of gas. Yeah, yeah. Look, if they had those guys last year, great. It's kind of hypothetical, but they might have been a little bit closer. Yeah. But but for Galway, like I said, the next stage for them was getting that bit of depth. That was ultimately that they were just a bit short in the all Ireland final. And it's interesting. Like maybe you're right. Maybe you're onto something, Jimmy. With the likes of Comer and Walsh missing, that Maddie Tierney nearly feels like he has to step up. He's nearly those injuries and and their absence has nearly forced him to along with Killian McDade as opposed to, to try and lead Galway through this because that's for Park Joyce like you said the start of the National League campaign they're going to be without your three main scorers really um, yeah. that's a big ask for them you know I expect them to have a good National League and they're, they're going to be up against it I, I was impressed with them in, in Castlebar they probably should have won that game um, on the opening night but then to lose Comer Walsh has always been away since the club stuff and lose Finnerty as well it's that was a big win for Galway to get over the over, over the line there and having though that little bit of extra depth that does push Galway another rung up I suppose um, yeah. but it was a big win for Power Joyce considering the circumstances around the injuries they have at the team for sure some of the other players James that have emerged this year Owen Kelly a younger brother of yeah. uh, Paul and Sean who's had a actually he's a younger brother I'm not sure if he's a younger brother but he, he's been in the States on a basketball scholarship he's only actually really picked up football again since he came home during COVID so he's been playing cornerback uh, had a couple of man marking jobs over the last little while Daniel O'Flaherty seems to have slotted into wing back um, anyone else stand out? It was it was the regulars after that for me because like Conroy was absolutely outstanding against Tyrone he was he was <laughs> honestly, Kicking points, catching kickouts, and Sean Kelly, I thought, really drove him as well. So, like as much as as much as you kind of say, right, we need thirty fellas. You don't. You probably need twenty-two 
fellas, do you remember we spoke, I think it was in season one, we were on about the Irish rugby team and they were saying they need yeah. 50 caps to be completely settled in the in the role going into a World Cup. However many minutes you can get, fellas, get them on the field, get them on the field, get them used to playing with everyone, just get them settled in the group. And they only need your, your, your 22 or three then. That's all they need. So I think that if they improve their leadership just from outside of Walsh and Comer, fit in the new fellas nice and handy and keep on the trajectory they're going, I think they're going to be they're going to be very dangerous. But the only thing is about the result against Tyrone, right? I wouldn't read into the actual performance that much because it was on I'd say it was on the softest field that was ever that was ever put out there. There was wind and <laughs> That place it always looks tragic, that place. Yeah, yeah. it did. But it's going to be a very different game in February to July or or June June or July. So Galway were very clever. They, they yeah. put on, they put on their their middle eight were absolutely massive. They put uh, Owen Finnerty into into the full forward line as well alongside Paddy Kelly. So they they had big fellas all over the place and they just out out physicality Tyrone, which was impressive. Do you expect Peter Cook? to start come championship mm. because just the manner in which he stroked over that point is he's effortless 100% he 100% he's going to start his vision his tackling his size his physique 100% to start he's a smart player he's very smart he's got experience as well and he's, I think he could be a massive addition to complement their the more established marquee guys like Walsh and Comer um, but look that's God, well, you expect them to be right in the mix. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even with the injuries now, I still think they're going to have a massive say on, on how the Sam McGuire goes. They started, yeah, they started sure. Patrick Kelly 10 in the All-Ireland final last year. Um, and they played him inside yeah. yesterday. So I think that, I'm not sure where he where he will be playing or where he wants to play, but I think that 10 spot is probably up for grabs nearly. Say if they have Tierney 12, that 10 spot could be Cook, um, depending on what they do with McDade. And mm-hmm. I'd still be thinking they'll have the same foot forward and they're going to have Walsh, Comer and um, Affinity if they can. Affinity. Yeah. But, but even if you look at that, Jimmy, you look at the way, like Gleeson probably doesn't fancy short kickouts too much. If he goes long and you've got Cook, yeah. McDade, Conroy and Tierney across the middle of the pitch. <laughs> You're hard up to get four bigger men and more athletic players than that. They win that kickout. And that's a fast transition, like bread and butter, up to up to the likes of of Shane Walsh and Damien Comer as well. So I think he's a massive, massive plus for them. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see them when they get their full deck back. It's just a matter of our choices, as frustrated as anyone, of getting those guys back sooner rather than later. Yeah, for With sure. Kelly as well. In the live show we had last year, and Michael Meehan was on about um, whether... Kelly would mark Clifford or not. And we were saying, he has yeah. to mark him. And he was saying, it's going to take away from his game going forward. And we were kind of thinking, well, I was thinking, it's not taking that much away, you know. And after a couple of games I've seen him this year, he is an animal going forward. He is. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Moran. Andy Moran would have spoke about it a lot, keeping an eye on Galway players coming up when he was finishing up at Mayo. He would have spoke a lot about the link play that Sean Kelly can add. And that was when Kelly was playing cornerback yeah. when he was just breaking through initially. Now he's fullback. Yeah, he, I thought he was outstanding. Yeah. Come the end of the game against Tyrone, he was up breaking tackles, kicking points, uh, just breaking lines. He's a very good player. Yeah. Like, in term, like we'll probably we'll tip on our man a while, I think, but that's exactly what our man is missing. Someone to come up and just break a line and get fouled or chip a handy point. That's what they're yeah. missing. Galway have it in abundance, so. Let's uh, let's move over to the hide because I think it's time to put a bit of respect <laughs> on the Rossies. Top of the table. The Invincibles. Roscommon. The Invincibles, yeah. They're just... Uh, whatever about the atmosphere, the ferocious nature of the hide, the way the wind swirls, they just can't <laughs> be beaten at the minute. Um, Roscommon are playing Monaghan away in Clonus next. We've got Donegal or Holston Galway. Mayo have Tyrone at home again and Kerry are bringing Armagh down. I don't know whether it's in Killarney or Tralee. I'd say it's in Tralee if they want to. It's in Tralee. There you go. There you go. So, Roscommon lads. Davy Burke has come in. He's got Mark McHugh with him. He's got Jerry McGowan as a coach who would have been in McClare for a couple of years, a Sligo native. He's got Mark McHugh from Donegal as a, as a selector and a coach from him as well. 
what's Burke doing differently here? Or are we are we just seeing a manager kind of getting a bit of a bounce here that he's he's challenging the players that all the Roscommon lads are forced to fight tooth and nail for their position at the minute? What are we seeing in Roscommon? Well, to be fair, and I'll eat a bit of humble pie here because uh, I have labelled the Rossies as a yo-yo team over the last number of years, which they were, but... To be fair, I think the baggies. I think calling them the yeah, baggies. West the West Brom, Brom oh, the West Brom of the West Coast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not every team is getting a new manager belt team. So I think that might yeah. be a bit of. I, I understand where you're coming from, um, but not every team is getting that bounce. And there's teams, new coaches come in, and it hasn't gone well over the first couple of weeks in, in a number of divisions. But for Davy Burke, who was probably late coming into the role, for, for the Rossies, the most impressive thing with it. They've ground out their three victories. They've been tight games. I mean, you know, the conditions are tough going. We spoke of Gale Force wins in the high, the same when they beat Galway uh, over in Salt Hill, and then the same at the weekend. I think that's even more impressive for us, Kevin, to win those tight games, because that shows a bit of edge. It shows a bit of they're harder to play against. Like, you'd, you'd nearly be more worried if they went out and blitzed teams, and it was clearly that just oh, they're, they're way further down the track, conditioning wise. That's where they're winning these games. I remember. A couple of years back, during my time with the Common, did this. They absolutely shot out of the lights. I think they made a leap. They won all. They were top of division one, won all their games, and then come championship, they were nearly knocked out by New York or London. They just hit the wall. So it's not that case. This Ross Common team, you still have your main scorers, the end of Smiths, the Murtas, and these guys. That was never an issue. But I just think they're a lot smarter, and they're a lot more, <laughs> in a positive way, they're nastier to play against. Uh, and to win those tight games, these are experienced teams. We fought Armagh, Tyrone, a lot of their All Ireland winning team, and Galway, who were on the Crescent Wave after their season last year. To win those games and the manner in which they've done it, that is a, a brilliant, brilliant start. And they're at the top of Division One on merit. I did not, yeah, did not think that this would be the case. So as much as Jimmy was wrong about Cork, I'll hold my hands up for now. What we've seen from Ross Common, that's tr- three big wins. But we'll see again. It's still early days in the season, and um, should be secured in Division One now. But they'll they'll be working those guys. They're gonna have an eye in that game against Mayo in in April I to think, kick off the championship. I think they're safe. I think they would have been safe in fourteen of the last fifteen years in Division One with six points. Yeah, really probably. They're, they're, yeah, I I think they're safe. And, and let me just ask you before we move on to Armagh. When you when the likes of Mayo, <laughs> twenty years in Division One now they'll be. <laughs> When the likes of Roscommon, Mayo and Armagh are playing championship, Armagh are playing Antrim, a Division 3 side, two Division 1 sides in count up against each other, seven days after the league finals, and they are three of the top four teams at the minute in the league. Is there going to be, a, can you actually just say, do you know what lads, I'm not saying they're going to throw matches, but is there going to be an element of, we don't really want to be playing on the first Sunday in April in the league final? We saw it last year with Goway and Roscommon, Bit of a kind of shadow boxing going on. Are we going to see it? That this was three year? weeks. That was three weeks that they were playing championship. Golly. It's insane the way it is this year. I don't know what you do. Playing a week after, yeah. That that's probably not idea. We I know we spoke to James Horn with this when he came on the pod, and that that league final went poorly for them. And that was probably just a different mail where they were as a team. That that just didn't work out for them. But I'd say, look, if if you were a coach of those teams playing Division One game on the Sunday and. The Rossies are in it and they're playing Mayo the following week. Mm. I don't think they'd fancy that. All the sports scientists pulling their hair out saying, no. It's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. Seven days later. like I definitely agree if it's a if it's a dead rubber, but if Roscommon or Mayo or Galway, like if they have a chance to win a national title, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll turn their nose up to definitely not Definitely not Roscommon. If they were to win Division 1, yeah. No, it's a Do you lot. think, Jimmy, even if they're, they're playing the championship the following week, I seven days it's later? Like, it's like in England where they have the FA Cup versus the, the Premier League kind of debate. Like, what would you rather win? Would you rather win something or just qualify for the Champions League kind of thing in England? It's the same here. Roscommon are never going to win the All-Ireland. If they can get their hands on silverware and Division 1 title, that would be an incredibly successful year. I, don't raise your eyebrows. Don't raise your eyebrows, Tommy. Roscommon are not going to win the All Ireland. Like I'm not. They've won three games. Credit to them. But let's. Yeah. No, no. You, you can you can say that. You can say that without me raising my eyebrows. That's true. So I, I don't think many teams. Once you're in the hunt for the final, I think they'll go for it until they can't win it, and then it might be a case of yeah. 
I, like I would, I would have that question as well. And I know we're, we're speculating here and it's a long way off, but a division one league title to Roscommon may be worth a little bit more than a, and I'm just going to say it, a Connacht championship title. They have a couple of them in the back locker already. Mm. Um, and it doesn't matter. You actually, if you lose that first game to Mayo, the way this season works out, you might be at a bit of an advantage because you don't play for another four or five weeks. You're guaranteed to be in a round robin. Uh, three of the four teams in your group in the round robin are going to get into the preliminary quarterfinal or the quarterfinal. So actually only four teams, because you're in Division 1, only four teams are going to be knocked out after those uh, four group games after the provincial series. So does it really matter if you don't win the provincials? Probably not. And they have a good chance of getting back into a different group that New York, London or Leitrim are going to be. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, look, it's it's a strange, it's a strange old setup that we have this year. And I actually, I was doing a bit of um, digging into it earlier on. Armagh, if Armagh go on and get to the Ulster final, and they finish runners up in their group in the provincial uh, in the series after the provincials, Armagh will have to play twelve games to get to an All Ireland final. Galway can play eight games to get to an All Ireland final. So we just don't seem to be able to create a, a straight. Forward, that would be knocking on the head yet. Yeah, at least let us get one season. Okay, see what it looks okay. like okay. first before falling under the bus completely. Okay, okay, let's let's move on then. Uh, Roscommon's forward, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Roscommon's forwards, we're, we're seeing the likes of Ben O'Carroll and a bit. Connor Cox comes off the bench, lads. We saw two incidents in that game. Jason Duffy is bearing down on goal. What he's a block. Mer- well, it's, an, it's another one. He's got Mernon and he's got Grugan to his right and he doesn't slip it. Now, I actually think it's more criminal a little later. Connor Cox is bearing true on goal and I can't remember for the life of me who's going off his left shoulder. It's the wing forward, Dolan, I think. And Cox takes a little shot that Rafferty saves and he gets a bit of kudos for it. How much trouble would you get in in a Dublin or Kerry dressing room if you didn't slip it to the back post? Crowley Bascale did it yesterday for Dublin oh, in shocked. the last play as well. Shocker. You would be under pressure. That's what I would say. And that okay. is, if you're taking that shot, you, by Jesus, you better score it. But if you take the wrong option and you miss, and there's lads inside you, oh, that's a tough. That will be played. Those clips will be played at training in those grounds on Tuesday night. And you just got to take it on the chin because you've done the wrong thing there. Yeah. James, as a man who scored. I think 18 championship goals. Were you beyond reproach if you took a shot, a snapshot? No one's you, beyond you, reproach. <laughs> no. Would you get a wee slap on the wrist? Everyone. If you're going to do something, even if it's the wrong decision, if it goes over, you can at least say, look, we got a point. Get get out of there. Do you know? Like Cox is one was saved and they ended up going down the field. That's a double whammy. Yeah. Pascal kicked it wide. That's bad. But at least if you take the wrong option, don't go for the goal, but it goes over the bar, you're safe some bit. If you're going to if you're going to do something, just do it with conviction and do it do it right. And then you can have some arguments. But I sometimes I do have an issue, right? With running down on goal and slipping it. I'm not I must say I'm not the biggest fan. If you looked at we did it morning, noon and night in Kerry training for a while, right? And if you do you remember back to the the Kerry Tyrone game in twenty one? And Ganey is one of the best finishers in the country. But we trained so much to just hand pass it and tap it in, hand pass and tap it in. He picked up the ball just outside the square, a simple tap in. He would have got a yeah. goal. He'd nearly been on for man of the match. He'd have been flying. He'd have kicked six more points after it. He tried to hand pass it to Stephen O'Brien. And Stephen was in the square and put it in, and the goal was disallowed. Like, you can get into those kind yeah. of habits. Sometimes, if it's on and you're good enough, stick it in the back of the net. And don't don't question anything. That's sometimes I feel beyond uh, reproach. I think you, you can. You can <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think that's fair, and we'll come back to that. We'll see if that trend develops a little bit more. Also, um, I've, I've kinda... sp- spoken to goalies about this, right? If you're running through on goal, right, in the middle of the goal, and there's a fella to your right and a fella to your left, you have to hand pass it to him. With a good pass, his hands have to be right, and then he has to score from an angle. Whereas if you're in the middle of the goal, why don't you just put it in the bottom corner? Fair. I think that's. I. I. I think there's an argument to be made there. You were always a very good example, Jimmy. You'd never pass anyway. So. Yeah, so I could miss it myself. That used to be the. That used to be the same. Don't care. I kick away myself, but not. I don't know. I think that it sometimes just have a bit of quality and put it in the corner rather than. 
blaming the wrong decision. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I like that. Uh, more quality. We'll back that for the forwards. Uh, let's just move on briefly to Division 2. We've spoken about the relegation dangers there quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. I watched the game in real time. I saw Clare get dragged into that relegation yeah. battle at the weekend. I'm not saying they would have been safe, but Kildare would have been in big trouble and you would have been committing a team to three defeats from three if Clare had held on at the weekend. They weren't rootless enough. Um, I haven't seen the highlights yet. We're recording before the, the highlights come out in TG Carr tonight, but I have no idea how a, a free was given uh, against Pierce Lillis when he made a block at the, the last kick of the game. A 14-yard free was given. There could have been a hand-on from another defender. Um, but Kildare lads... I don't know whether they're going through some sort of insane training regime. I don't know whether they, they, some lads just aren't tuned in. It's, it's They were just bananas how poor they were for a good chunk of that game. Kevin Feely started and had a big impact. And this is a fellow who ruptured ligaments in his ankle about eight months ago and he's rehabbed his way back. Daniel Flynn comes on. He does not look fit. And he looked to be levels above the rest of the Kildare boys. Um... And he just about dragged him over the line alongside Neil Flynn. I'd still be worried about Kildare. And saying that, they've got Derry at home uh, next Sunday. And Paddy, would you be surprised if Newbridge I, had been turned into Fortress again and they turned over Derry? If you were going out of Tommy with the, uh, what we've seen from Kildare here today, you would say that that would be a cracking game and Kildare would fancy their chances. But they've just been so poor. So, so poor. Like I, I watched them in person in Crow Park on the open night. I didn't think they were bad. I, I, looking, that was just a poor game all around. I don't think Dublin were particularly good that night either. But the worrying thing was the beat, the, the manner of the defeat we said two weeks ago to, to Cork and Newbridge. And you're right, like if they, by all accounts, they probably should have lost that game in NS yesterday. But, and if they did, they're stranded at the bottom with Limerick on, on zero points and they, they dare one of the top teams in the division coming to town next week. It's a massive game for them. Even, mm. even at this point, if they lose that game in Newbridge, and what we've seen to date, you can only go on the, the three games we, we've seen over the last month, you would say they're your strong favourites for that. Strong, strong favourites for that. For sure. And Kildare, then four games down, and they've only two points on the board. They are under pressure. And I, like, I don't know, Tommy, this. They're in an unbelievable training block. They're in Division 2, and the, the peril of being in Division 2, if you don't perform, you, you're out of the same court. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. it's one thing to have no may on the Rossi's been in training and been flying fit in, in Division 1, but for Kildare, Division 2 was so important this year. They can't afford to be throwing girls. And we don't know for certain, but there does seem they are just not at the races so far this season. And that is not a good sign. We said this is a shorter season. You need to get momentum and you need to get a quick. And they've got a win out of Venice, and maybe that might be the thing, I'm sure. They have their clear their air meetings and all that good stuff. The the El Tyrone uh, school of thought having to clear the air meeting every week. They need to do something before Derry come to Newbridge because if they play at that level again, they're in for a long, long afternoon. For sure. Big games in Division 2 next weekend. Clare in Dublin to take on the Dublin Park. Kildare host Derry. Good man, Paddy. Uh, Mead host Loud and Navin. Yeah. That's a big one. If Meads can get back to winning ways they'll put a bit of daylight between themselves and the rest in that relegation battle and Cork take on Limerick so if it goes with form and Cork continue that trend they'll put themselves ahead of um, the pack as well so big games Clare and Kildare upset the odds uh, you know it'll get interesting but that if it all goes to form this weekend in Division 2 it's going to start getting uh, tighter and tighter down there at the bottom and in Division 3, we've got Offaly up against Cavan. So uh, Cavan are 3 for 3 so far. Offaly lost the weekend to Westmead. Down are playing Westmead. That'll be a mm. cracking game. Antrim up against Fermanagh. That'll be an interesting one too. And uh, basement clash between Longford and Tipperary. Both teams looking for their first wins. And in Division 4, London take on Sligo. That's a home game for London. That's going to be a tricky one for Tony McIntyre, Sligo. Waterford face Wicklow. Waterford looking for their first win. They didn't win last year either. Leitrim take on Carlo. At home, Park Sean McDermott at Carlo have had a good league so far. Three points, don't sleep on them. They're sixth in Division 4, but they could be in the mix come the end of it. They're doing very well this year. And Leash take on Wicklow, which would be another interesting game. So, lads, it's a hectic time in the calendar. We're flat out uh, between uh, 
podcast here. Paddy, you might be back home next week. I will, week. no, we're, we're, we're back on trip. Friday. I'll be in, Lovely. I'll be in Croke on Saturday night to watch the dubs against Clare. I expect it to be an absolutely soulless affair with about 10,000 people there. But uh, <laughs> it'll be better cracked than, than Leuven, I feel. Uh, so looking forward to that. But uh, mainly, I, it was great as a Dublin supporter to see you mentioned it earlier on, seeing a couple of those guys, oh, seeing yes. a couple Sorry. of those guys back. Yeah. It was a brilliant game, I thought. It just shows when you get a bit of good weather and you're playing on a nice pitch, you can still get very uh, entertaining and free-flowing National League games. And I thought seeing Jack and James McCarthy and these guys coming on and kicking a couple of scores at the end of the game. Dublin weren't probably, uh, wasn't their best performance by any means. And they looked to, to tighten things up around the back in particular. But the big takeaway for, for Dublin is getting those guys back on the pitch. And Jack, I think we need to be patient with him. Um, he's been away a, a long time, but... The cameo we got from yesterday was brilliant to see. You could see the reaction on Twitter. Even non-dubs were, I wouldn't say maybe not happy to see him back, but I think it's good for the game to see a player as exciting as that. And that score he gets where he just burns through three guys. You're like, ah, oh, magic. <laughs> it was magic. I wonder, I was wondering, was it the boots? The boots like, was yeah, it the boots that were making him look as quick? As well. they, they add at least a couple of miles an hour for speed. But, uh, but McCarthy as well to come back, getting in a couple of rows, kicking a point. Brilliant. Great yeah. to see. And Dublin they needed did. it. They, they really they needed did. the two boys. Most certainly. James, it got me thinking at the weekend, especially when we saw the impact of Conor McManus and Darren Hughesman mm-hmm. off the bench for Monaghan. That's two boys who were 36. And you're looking at Jack McCaffrey now two years out of the game. If we were to do an experiment and send Paddy Anders and James <laughs> back to Inter- I can't even football, get out of this chair, Tommy. Never mind, get back on the pitch. How would you boys look in comparison to how you left it? Would you would you be able to get back the way Jack McCaffrey's got back, James? No. <laughs> Don't answer that question, Jimmy. Don't answer that. How many yards? How many yards of pace do you think you've lost, Paddy? All of place, Tommy. So I wouldn't. I, I was never overly reliant on my pace, but I just. It is impressive. When you look back, right? Because yeah. we'll be watching these game, games now, and they're going, "How did he miss that? Or what's he done there?" And I'm just saying. I was useless my last season when I finished. <laughs> so it's like, this level is so high. When you're out, you are out. Uh, but seeing Jack yesterday, yeah. like that's the one thing I worry about someone when they've been away or they're a little bit older. Is pace is usually the first thing to go. Everyone speaks it. You lose a yard of pace or whatever. But there was two or three times, poor old Brian Hurley tried to get him on the sideline and Jack just burned by him on the outside. So, he, and Hurley looked like in the rest of the game, didn't he? Yeah, Hurley was very, very good. He yeah. nightmares about that miss at the end for the point that would have levelled it. And then obviously a brilliant save with David Hannon. That would have been some goal to, to finish it off. But for Dublin, seeing Jack score, and McCarthy gets a similar score as well, Jack's involved in that as well. When you're over and back against that blanket defence, and we spoke about it with Mayo, up in our man that first half where they were struggling where they had the right shape and the right structure but just had no penetration that is what McCaffrey and McCarthy they've been doing it for 10 years they can just break the lines and it just opens up everything he does a similar for, for Con O'Callaghan Con actually gets blocked but having that injection mm. of pace it's just such a weapon it's an unbelievable weapon to have and for Dublin yeah it's not their I don't think they've set the world on fire in their three nights games today we're getting these guys back on the pitch and looking good. That's that's a huge positive for Dublin fans. No two, and for Daisy Farrell, there's no two ways about it. That's the takeaway for them from the weekend. It's mad though, isn't it? That like, the, the t- like, McCaffrey is obviously top, top quality now. Like one of the best of the generation. But the difference that he can make after two years old to just sl- slap back in, yeah. even just contribute a point. <laughs> Difference he's a legend. He's a legend, Jimmy. Yeah, but I just think it's it's unbelievable weapon he's said to have. But to slip back in is so. Impressive. But but even like we're still waiting, and I don't want to be blowing around Trump, but we're still waiting on Manu to come back as well. And the difference he can add into that that we're talking about different dimensions to attacks. And yeah, if teams are sitting back, McCaffrey, McCarthy, you have that punch coming through. You put Manu back in there with Conor Callahan inside and. You can start launching balls in there as well. So, we, we, we it was brilliant news for Dublin, the team, and for supporters when the two guys announced they're coming back. So, it's good to see Jack back there, and the body looks good, and he hasn't lost the pizzazz. Um, 
And fingers crossed, we see Paul Mannion in the next couple of weeks too. Maybe, maybe if me and Jimmy, if we wore orange boots, Jimmy, we could have got another year out of the foot. I think we made the right call. I think uh, we might have to make a third tier of inter-county football if we bring the two E back. Um, well, for but do you know what? There's... Yeah, exactly. Uh, for a couple of years yeah, yet, lads. Um, a lot of talk about squad depth and discovering new players. If Desi Farrell manages to emerge from this league with Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion... I had him as my player uh, to watch, Steve. I did say that. Two two good discoveries. You did, I Paddy. Did. You did. Paddy, go enjoy Lou. I'm going to have to have a few, James few beers here, lads. Wish me luck. What could go wrong? We are looking forward to next weekend's football. James, it's Kerry Armand Saturday night. It's Mayo Tyrone as well on TG Carr. So Kerry Armand's an RTE. On Sunday, we'll have an early dose of Galway, Donegal and TG Carr. That's at half 12. And Kildare and Derry will be on the BBC iPlayer as well. So four good games that are going to be on TV next weekend. Lads, it's been a pleasure. We'll leave it at that. Thanks very much, James. Thanks, Tommy. Cheers, Paddy. Au revoir, gents.